Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Davis, and this is episode 10 of season 4. And it's a really interesting episode this week, too, as we discuss a subject that I'm sure many busy kitchen and bathroom retailers have somewhere bubbling in the back of their minds at the moment. Should I or shouldn't I expand the business? Bigger premises, new location, expanding or offering, it's also tempting, isn't it? But what are the pros and cons, and what's the train of thought that leads to the big leap? We've got two great retailers, both have been on the show before, and that's Dan Strong from Jones Britain and Mark Edwards from House of Harrogate. Dan is literally in the middle of converting his new premises as he expands his business right now, and Mark went through the whole process a few years ago, so we're going to hear their stories, their decision-making process, and some great advice for anyone thinking of giving it a go. But first... If you enjoy the KBB Review podcast and I need your help to spread the word across the industry, obviously get all your colleagues and industry friends to listen, that goes without saying. But it would also be great if you could follow us on your podcast app of choice, such as Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, leave us a nice rating and review. Just search KBB Review, or one word, and you'll find us. The endorsement of others on those platforms really encourages others to give us a go. And most importantly, come on, it's my birthday. Right, let's talk expanding your business now and meet our two guests. They are both friends of the show and both, of course, very experienced retailers. First up, we have Dan Strong from Jones Britain down in East Sussex. Hello, Dan. Good afternoon, Andrew. How are you? I'm very, very well, thank you. It's a beautiful sunny day. And then we have Mark Edwards from House of Harrogate in, of course, Harrogate. Hello, Mark. Hi, Andrew. How are you? You okay? Very, very good. Thank you. Thank you both for joining us to talk about what is, I think, a really fascinating subject and one that I suspect is right at the front of the minds of an awful lot of people right now, which is expanding your business, growing your business, and perhaps taking that leap into bigger premises, expanding into different markets. So let's start, of course, with the brief outlines for those who don't know. Dan, give us the 10-second overview of Jones Britain. Jones Britain was formed in 2009. We are a retailer based in the southeast of England in a sleepy little village called Heathfield, and we sell mid- to high-end kitchens. Brilliant. And Mark, what's the House of Harrogate story? So we were established eight years ago. Uh, we decided to, rather than just doing the kitchens, we do kitchens, bedrooms, bathrooms, so we get involved with full fit-outs, apartments, houses, the whole shebang, basically. And very successful you both are too. So the reason why you're on, let's give you the credentials here. Dan, you're basically in the middle of an expansion here, aren't you? I am indeed, yes. This all started from a a LinkedIn post where you saw a photograph of my daughter helping to paint uh, the interior of the new showroom. Well, it's very difficult to get staff at the moment, Dan, so fair (laughs) enough. How old is she? Child labour, she's 13. Well, there you go. That's fair enough. I mean, at 14, 14 she'd be out with her mates. Um, to, but no, at 13, she's willing to go out with her father and uh, and paint her future business. Well, if you could train her to install kitchens as well, I'm sure that would help. Now, Mark, now you went through the expansion process. You went through this process a few years ago, didn't you? We did, yes. So it was quite scary at the time because it was a big building and it had literally had no work done to it for like since 1950. So we literally had to strip right back, new electrics, the whole lot. And uh, it was difficult to budget for. So it was make it up a little bit as we went along. But I just went for the plunge and, and saw this amazing opportunity with seven parking spaces outside the front. And thought, you know what, I'm just going to have to go for it. Well, look, let's start with you, Dan, I think, because you're the one who's right in the middle of it. So what exactly does your expansion look like? Talk us through the thought process that led you to decide to do it. <laughs> Well, having been in, in in the Heathfield showroom for the last 10 years, it's been very successful. We've been very, very happy with it, but it's actually quite small. 
And I really felt that I needed to showcase more of our work in a, in a larger scale. So I probably over the last maybe even three years, maybe four years, actually, every now and then been dipping into the, the commercial let internet sites just to see what's about and see if there's anything I'm missing. I kind of inherited my my current showroom. I took it on from a, an ex-colleague. So it's a, it's a fair distance away from home and not necessarily in the area that I originally wanted to be. But obviously back then, 10 years ago, I was dipping my toes in the water. I was originally based from home. And so taking that plunge to a, a the, the small showroom was quite scary, a little bit like Mark said earlier, but in, in a smaller format. But obviously, 10 years later, we're kind of screaming out for a larger premises with more displays. To, and we've recently taken on a partnership with Masterclass Kitchens, and we just felt we wanted to showcase more of their products. So this it's not it's quite it's reasonable size but it's actually a farm building on a a light industrial farm estate and it's really rather elegant and you know we've got a pond around the corner an oast house to pass by and it's uh, and and the other businesses within the locality are all creatives so uh, it kind of just set a spark i thought oh this this is interesting it's doubling our space and giving us the opportunity to show a lot more of what we're about so, Mark, is this ringing a lot of bells for you in terms of the train of thought? Yes. We obviously in a different position where I'd looked at this particular building where we are now on several occasions and, and just thought it was never going to be available because I looked at it being one of the best buildings in Harrogate with the parking outside and just never thought it was going to happen. And that one day I was just sort of walking past and I noticed that there was sort of work going on and it looked like the, the, the business that was in at the time was shutting down so I made a quick call and as out of interest and then that's when it all went a bit scary because I, real, I realized then that actually we could get our hands on this building came down in the middle of the winter night uh, turned all the lights on and realized the size of the, the task that was in front of me and nearly sort of bailed out a few times because I sort of worked out the costs and they always go more than you want because when you start actually doing the work it ends up because you obviously you want to sell to your customers your, the dream and you, because we're in the industry ourselves, we are perfectionists, obviously. So you, you end up thinking it's going to cost X and it always costs more because it's never quite right. So there you go, Dan. It's going to cost you a lot more than you think. <laughs> Don't I know that already? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you said, Dan, there that one of the things that's triggered this is the fact that you've taken on Masterclass. Is the idea of, the, of expansion in your head also about expanding scope of, of what you do? Or is it about you've got so much work to do at the moment that you need more space to do it? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, you know, my, my background is art and design. And back in the old days, you, you'd have a reasonable size showroom with 40 or 50 little diddy displays in them. And I, that doesn't work in 2022. And my current showroom isn't large. And I've got four reasonable size displays. But I, I don't feel that I'm showcasing everything that we can do. And I feel like with taking on Masterclass, and having the bespoke side of the business that we do already, I didn't feel that there was enough space to show both products to their advantage. And therefore, that was kind of the reason really for looking. 
And I feel that it's really, really important in 2022 to showcase what you're about. And, and you, you've got to keep moving with the times. And part of this was keeping up with the times and, and being able to show something, show Jones Britain off to its fullest potential. Mark, as you said, you're the, you've got the full KBB package there. Was that already in place before you moved into the new building? Did you expand the scope of the business? So my, my background is more to do with the whole house renovations. So kitchens were predominantly the main part of our business, and they always have been. But we had a lot of competition in Harrogate. A lot of kitchen showrooms already existed. So I looked at the uh, the market and realised that we had probably two competitors who were doing the whole package. So rather than just doing kitchens, which I think, looking back on it, are more profitable, we looked at it and thought, you know, we need to be different. So we, we chose to do the kitchens, the bedrooms and the bathrooms. Bathrooms, I really didn't like doing, and I will, and I will openly admit that to start with, and still find them awkward compared to, to the kitchens and the bedrooms. But because of that, we actually get the full house, we get bigger contracts from it. And fortunately, and I don't know if I touched upon this when I was last on with you, Andrew, but we were fortunate in lockdown last time. And because we were doing the whole house, we had one massive renovation of, we had a kitchen, the utility room, we had four bedrooms, I think we had four en suites and a main bathroom. And that kept us going for like three or four months through the whole of lockdown and there was nobody living there. So we were you know, we didn't have the worry of, 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 of self-isolation and people being in the house. So it sort of made my business survive, you know, in that difficult time, really. So I'm glad I did do it. But the showroom, being a 6,000-square-foot showroom, had to be big because, obviously, we've got an area for bathrooms, we've got an area for bedrooms, and we've got uh, sort of five big displays, like Dan was just saying there. They have to be big displays nowadays. Yeah, they do. Um, people to really sort of feel that it's going to be their kitchen when they're walking into it. Eight years on, it's really paying off because people are walking in and going, wow, I want you to do the whole house for me. Yeah, it's all about lifestyle, isn't it? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, look, you're obviously on the right lines there, Dan, aren't you? But I guess there's always a bit of a leap of faith here, isn't there, I guess, when you have to make that decision. You know, there's always a, a bit where you've just got to close your eyes and jump. But there must be pros and cons. I mean, and you've told us the pros here, but what are the cons? What was the thing telling you not to do it? For me, it was managing my time. Uh, that was that was a big and, and being able to focus on current customers alongside redeveloping a new showroom. I suppose uh, a con is the slight unknown about the location. But if you do enough research, that shouldn't be too much of a problem and possibly biting off more than you can chew. I think those are probably the three big ones for me. Right, so I guess what you're saying there is you can't concentrate on the business you have to do today to think about what's happening tomorrow if your mind is completely tied up in either one or the other. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, you have to set aside evenings, weekends and so on. If if you're going to develop a new showroom or you're going to enlarge your business, then you have to set aside spare time because your day-to-day, you know, you're working eight in the morning till six in the evening on your day job and that you need to keep focusing on that. You can't take elements of that time and and chuck it into the, the, this new development. So you, you have to expect to use up some of your evenings and weekends working on it. And that, that can be a little bit stressful and tiring. And how did you manage that, Mark? I was just thinking about, as, as Dan was saying, I was fortunate. I was working for somebody else when I first 
took this business on and had a business partner with me. And we sort of set aside a period of time to start with where we weren't being distracted by day-to-day customers. So we had a three or four month plan to take the building on and just carry on, you know, and just focus on that without the distractions of of having to look after customers because it was a new business. But as uh, I'd been in the business a long time, it was funny because the phone was ringing, my mobile was ringing and people were walking past and going, oh, what's this going to be? And just talking to people created the interest. So we didn't white. I always find it interesting when people white out windows because they, you stop people from looking in and what's going on. You're potentially missing business as that's happening. But we were getting business and we were going along. So the, the actual job took six months, I think, in the end, because we ended up doing work as we were going along, which was quite helpful because obviously that helped the cash flow. We had a, a, we'd set aside an amount of money to do the you know a budget to do the showroom, which, like I said, was nowhere near enough. But uh, it was interesting because we were fitting kitchens then as we going along slightly different i think with with dan obviously has to run his existing business and do that on the side which i would imagine is very difficult yeah is there a worry dan speaking of that that i suppose you're doing this at what is a peak of an abnormally high demand you know yes is there a worry about what's going to happen next to the market and how you can possibly judge what's going to happen next to it i don't really know i mean it's it, it is very very busy at the moment and actually when i agreed to take this place on i wasn't as busy I don't know. It's a strange one. I don't know whether us telling people that we're moving, we're expanding has actually made them feel, oh, you know, this company's going places. Therefore, we want to buy from them even more. But we, we are, our conversion rate has rocketed in the last three months since we've let people know that that's what we're doing. I'm sure we will probably have a honeymoon period when we move into the new place because we've set up marketing ready to cover us in that new location. But in terms of going forward, I don't know. I mean, I haven't got a crystal ball, so I, I just don't, I just don't know the answer to that question, Andrew. I suppose the danger is, Mark, that you go into it assuming that everything's just going to carry on how it currently is and not allow for vagaries in the market. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, if you worry too much, I mean, you can't predict that, can you? At the end of the day, and being a business owner and being an entrepreneur and the people that we are, if you were to worry about, you would never. You just carry on working for somebody else. So it's not in your nature to worry about that, and it never has been in my nature. And that's why over the last eight years. If I was to work out what it's cost me, I would, you know, it would be very scary. But if, if I put a figure on, and I don't own the building, bear, you know, bearing in mind here, I reckon that I've probably invested about half a million pounds uh, into this property to really showcase what we can do. I mean, that not might not sound like a lot to some of the bigger companies, but to, to us, you know, funding it from a small family-run business, you know, half a million pounds is a lot of money. But I have no regrets. We do the home building and renovation show at the back of, of where we are, fortunately. And in, in November, we had two or three really good customers walked into our showroom. They walked around for about an hour, having been to the show, and just said, this is amazing. I've not seen anything like it. I want you to do my whole house. I've got a builder lined up. But I want you to do all the interiors, and that we're talking about tiles, we're talking about radiators. The only thing we're not doing is a swimming pool, but everything else interior-wise, we're doing you know the whole lot. So, you know that to me was I think it was a bit of a you know what eight years, and that is you know really starting to come off when you start getting big jobs like that. 
Yeah, I suppose, I suppose the question is, have you made more than half a million pounds worth of business directly because of it? I suppose that's the, you know, has it paid for itself? Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's been, don't get me wrong, it's been tough. Eight years, you know, there's been a lot gone on, as, as anybody will do in, in their personal lives. Things go on, you know, uh, as we're getting older, parents are not well, things like that. You you have to you get your distractions. I've been distracted because of different ventures that I might have got into and things like that. So it, you, you can get distracted. You've got to stay focused, basically. But I would say that it's not an immediate, it's not a quick fix. You know, it's not. And I think uh, with, with Dan, he's got an established business. I didn't. I was starting from scratch. House of Harrogate was a new business. So I would say the first two or three years, three, two or three years is about getting your name out there. It's maybe not taking the margins, but getting the business and getting your name out there. And now eight years on it's been established long enough now for people to have confidence in it but like dan says i think the bigger showrooms you get more confidence from the customers and the fact that they can walk around and they just feel more confident about passing their money to you you know and 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 saying you know what these guys are not going anywhere they're moving on look let's talk brass tacks about money how are you paying for this dan (laughs) i was waiting (laughs) for that question actually most of it most of it is coming from the sale of kitchens. Being so, so busy as we are at the moment, it's self-funding it. And we're doing it over a reasonable length of time. So actually, I took the keys to the property in December. So we are three months in and we've sold a lot of kitchens in that time and the, 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 the profits are paying for it. Right, which is a perfect position to be in, of course. Would you have done it by finding investment, by finding money elsewhere? You know what? I've always, always, I've never borrowed money, apart from at the beginning of the lockdown when everybody was very scared and and I took the bounce back loan. But I've never borrowed money other than that. So I've always been nervous about owing the banks or owing, you know, putting my house against something. So no, I, I would rather have the cash in the business and know I've got enough to do what I need to do to then take on the venture. And obviously, Mark said a little earlier, yes, it costs more. And yes, I'm already seeing it's costing more, but it's just spreading the, the, the move over a slightly longer period covers it. It's funny, actually, because that's what, of course, every consumer says about buying a kitchen. <laughs> it's always a lot more than you thought it was going to be. Look, what about you, Mark, about investment? How do you, how do you feel about f- funding these kind of things? Again, initially, because it was a new business, we went to friends, family. Um, we did a little bit with the bank. So we spread our risks across a, a few people and had a little bit ourselves. But, but yeah, mainly borrowed the money in, initially. But um, after the first three months when that ran out and then all those, you know, those those uh, jobs were coming in, they were paying for the extra work. I mean, as an example, I got earmarked to do the electrical work on this building, um, I think £5,000, very naively. Uh, but, you know, it's like it was a grand design situation. You know, you always watch these people go, how did you not know that that was going to cost this <laughs> amount of money? You know, uh, and you look at them, you go, you Stupid people! Why did you do that? But I, I, did, I really didn't realise how much work that would need to be done. Like we were dropping ceilings, we were putting Sonos systems in, we were putting all. It was three phase that we had in here, and it ended up costing me twenty thousand pounds just to do the electrics. So what happened there was where we were going to be putting a handmade bedroom in. We ended up putting in uh, an off-the-shelf type of bedroom, which is still there, and it's been one of our biggest sellers as it's turned out. But, you know, you just cut your cloth accordingly at the time. And 
we had because three thousand square foot of it was downstairs we didn't have to do all of the space so that's been a gradual process over eight years as an example when we first moved in downstairs i built a whole extension downstairs and then the the surrounding areas around it i just put fake grass in and basically put trellising on the on the ceiling and made it look like an outside space because i literally couldn't afford to fill that space with bedrooms and, and kitchens so over the years we've gradually added to it as we've gone along but it's always generally come out of cash flow but over the last eight years we haven't made a lot of profit but all of it's gone back into the business so it's been reinvesting all, all the way along basically and some very good creative solutions to things if you're in a, we're in a creative industry, aren't we? For you, Dan, one of the big issues at the moment, obviously, is finding good people, finding fitters, finding good designers. And, you know, you're expanding your business there. Are you, are you getting new staff? Are you looking for new installers? How, how are you coping with that part? Of it? Yeah, I mean, I could do with some, some more installers, anybody listening uh, okay. at the moment. But... Uh, <laughs> yeah, get in the queue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh but in terms of new staff in the showroom, no. Uh at the moment. But it, it but we've got the ability to expand later down the line. And I think, you know, it's it's like we're a five year old kid and we bought uh ten year old kids' trousers and we've got room to manoeuvre in those for a period of time. So actually we're setting up the the showroom so that it could have another couple of members of staff, if necessary, without us crowding each other. So uh, it will probably happen and come onto the cards within the next two or three months, possibly. But at this stage, there isn't the plan to take on more staff. And when those kids reach ten years old, they can come and work for you anyway. Well, my so daughter, my daughter's thirteen, so I'm thinking another three years, and uh, we'll have her as Saturday staff. She'll, she'll be management by then, yeah, probably. Let's conclude this with some advice for people. Imagine someone's got a showroom and they've been obviously doing very well through this whole boom period. And in the back of their heads, a bit like you were down there looking around to see maybe there's a possibility of finding somewhere else. What's the top bit of advice? What have you learned from the process so far, Dan, do you think that you would you would tell somebody who was you know, a year behind you? And number one would be don't rush and uh, do your homework. I think is probably the most important. You've got to feel confident that you're doing the right thing. But again, going back to what Mark said, it always costs more money. So do plenty of homework. Don't rush into it. I think you need to have a strong team behind you as well, because obviously I'm actually leaning on members of staff now a little bit more than I was before we took on the showroom because I'm concentrating on organizing electricians, organizing floor people, organizing for building of uh, stud walls, uh, et cetera, et cetera, mezzanine going in, et cetera, et cetera. So I've lent on members of staff to handle some of the things that I may have handled myself normally. So make sure you've got a strong team behind you. Research your competition in your new area. People will go into things and go, oh, that's a great building. That's exactly what I want. But they haven't actually looked into the location as much. Their eyes have jumped at this wonderful building, and that's just perfect for us. But look at your competition. Look what look at what other retailers are out there. What they're doing, uh, I think, is is also very important. And knowing the right time as well. Taking it to the right time, you know, if you're if you're exceptionally busy and you're getting a you know huge surge in profits, that could be seasonal. So don't jump at it just because you're making huge amounts of profit and you think, oh yeah, now the, now's the time to jump. Look at how your year is is working out in in terms of the business coming in in the door. Is it just seasonal? 
And are you, you going to have a lull? And therefore, you again, a bitten off more than you can chew six months down the line. Brilliant. So look, Mark, you're a few years further down the line on this here. What, what, what advice would you give people? Looking back on my eight years of having this building, I think because it was a big building, uh, I've taken on too many different products. Um, I would say that the, the if I was doing it all again, I would spend more time researching the actual suppliers and the products. I would, because obviously we're doing kitchens, bedrooms, bathrooms, and obviously everything else, radiators. I'm very easily sort of swayed by the next person that walks in the door that's got this amazing new product and things like that. And I, I found that I've been distracted with that over the years instead of just focusing on certain appliances or certain kitchen manufacturers. And I look back and, and having been to various uh, trips with Miller or AEG or and sitting around tables, you know, having a, a few beers afterwards and listening to the experienced business people that, that have been going 20, 30 years, you know, they've focused over the years on the right products, a certain German range of kitchen. There might be a certain type of bathroom product. And what I've found, I sort of hit a bit of a scattergun effect and I just got loads of products, which then, Dan was talking about staff are so crucial, but the trouble is I've overloaded them with products and, and to know those products so well, you know, it's difficult to be doing three sets, you know, kitchen, bedroom, bathroom, but then to introduce like four different uh, kitchen companies and, and four bathroom companies, you know, there's 12 sort of sets of stuff that they need to know. And, and now I'm really focusing down on concentrating on certain brands and trying to simplify the, the sales process for the staff uh, and not to give our customers too much choice, basically. That's that's my biggest uh, learn from the last eight years, I would have said. Yeah, we've very much done that ourselves. I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, how you know, so much of this uh, advice, so much of this experience is about simplifying things. Yes. Mm. And it is about understanding who you are as a brand, who you, you know, what it is your your core values are and how this how this represents it and not losing not losing track of what those are despite the size or the change or the change of premises or location. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I would say, yeah. Chaps, thank you so much. This is so interesting. And it's, I'll tell you what we'll do, Dan. In eight years' time, I'll get somebody else who's brand new, and you can look. You can talk to them <laughs> about <laughs> about what's happened. Yeah, I look forward to it. Or should I say, I'll be talking to your daughter in eight years? Yeah, time. quite possibly you will. Yes, <laughs> the new managing director. We'll be in the Caribbean somewhere, won't he? On the beach. I hope so. That would be that would be fantastic. <laughs> or collecting trolleys at B and Q, one or the other. Yeah. You'll still be there. Look, chaps, Mark, Dan, thank you so much for your time, and good luck, Dan. Super stuff. Thank you very much, Andrew. All the best. Thanks, Andrew. Was Dan Strong from Jones Britain and Mark Edwards from House of Harrogate. Lots of great little nuggets of experience and advice in there. Really, really interesting. That's it for me for this week. I'll be back next time with another brand new episode. And don't forget to follow, rate, and review us on your podcast app of choice. See you next time.